My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, oh, God, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get to the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So, Hello and welcome to Tiny Giants, the creator economy show where the focus is on career over celebrity. This is the show where I reach past social media stardom to focus on the careers and market trends that make the creator economy just that, an economy. We do this by highlighting and uplifting niche-specific creators that the uninitiated doesn't necessarily have a concept of or full appreciation for, or as we like to call them, tiny giants. You ready? Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Tiny Giants. I am your host, T. Adela, your favorite former 400-pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. So I'm flying solo today, no guest. I endeavor to put out two episodes a week, and the first episode I reserve for myself. And this is the episode where I bring you a topic or a discussion point, an article that I think should be on your radar and I want to talk about. And then the second episode of the week is when I bring in a guest. That way we have a good mix of things. It's not just always me pontificating by myself, and I'm not always just interviewing other people without contributing anything. So that's what we're going to do today. So how today's episode is going to flow is that I'm going to open up with an article that I'm going to briefly discuss and, you know, read a few excerpts and then, you know, opine on a little bit. Then we're going to move into our MarTech moment where I briefly talk about a piece of marketing technology or MarTech. Then we're going to take a short commercial break to pay them bills. And then we're going to follow that up with our creators crushing it segment where I do a high level, quick, dirty analysis of a creator's profile who is, as the name would imply, is crushing it. And then we wrap things up with our parental perspective. So today we're going to jump right back in with an article from Pew Research. And don't worry, I'm not going to only read articles from Pew Research. I know I did last week and I'm doing it again this week, but Pew Research is solid. It's really, really good stuff. And in the beginning, I want to make sure we are founded in solid information. So the article I'm reading from Pew is titled Connection, Creativity and Drama teen life on social media in 2022. And this is from November of last year, November 16th of 2022. And the subtitle reads, 
Majorities of teens credit social media with strengthening their friendships and providing support while also noting the emotionally charged side of these platforms. And off top, before we jump in, I got to say that reading this was a bit of a challenge for me as a parent because I have three children. I have a 13-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old. And it's not that I'm dismissive of how my children feel or their points of view, but I also recognize that they're children. So of course, they're going to say certain things about things that they like because you know that's what kids do. If you ask a kid about how much candy they should have, of course, they're not gonna say, oh, that's too much chocolate. I need to cut back. No, they're, they're gonna be like, more, more. Meanwhile, they got cavities left and right, which is very much the case with my nine-year-old daughter. That girl has a sweet tooth that I ain't even going to hold her. She got honestly, she got the sweet tooth honestly, and she's getting the cavities just as honestly. So this is one of those things where I personally had to suspend my parental disbelief. And I would ask that you do the same, just suspend your parental disbelief and sort of take this for what it is, but also contextualize it within the context of your child. Because of course, you know your child better than anyone and you know how and when to apply this to your child's situation. So with all that out the way, this article is from a research survey that Pew conducted from April 14th through May 4th of 2022 of U.S. teens aged 13 through 17. And the survey found that eight in 10 teens say that what they see on social media makes them feel more connected to what's going on in their friends' lives, while 71% says it makes them feel like they have a place where they can show their creative side. And 67% say these platforms make them feel as if they have people who can support them through tough times. A smaller share, though still a majority, say the same for feeling more accepted. These positive sentiments are expressed by teens across demographic groups. When asked about the overall impact of social media on them personally, more teens say its effects has been mostly positive, 32%, than say it has been mostly negative, 9%. The largest share describes its impact in neutral terms. 59% believe social media has had neither a positive nor a negative effect on them. For teens who view social media's effect on them as mostly positive, many describe maintaining friendships, building connections, or accessing information as main reasons they feel this way. With one teen saying, quote, it connects me with the world, provides an outlet to learn things I otherwise wouldn't have access to, and allows me to discover and explore interests, end quote. And this is from a teen girl. And then the article goes on to say, while these youth describe the benefits that they get from social media, this positivity is not unanimous. Indeed, 38% of teens say they feel overwhelmed by all the drama they see on social media, while about 3 in 10 say these platforms have made them feel like their friends are leaving them out of things, 31%, or have felt pressure to post content that will get a lot of likes or comments, 29%. Another 23% say these platforms make them feel worse about their own lives. And unsurprisingly, there are differences among gender as well, as highlighted by Facebook Now Meta's whistleblower Francis Hugan. These effects are felt more intensely by girls. So the article says that teen girls report encountering some of these pressures at higher rates. Some 45% of girls say they feel overwhelmed because of all the drama on social media compared with 32% of 
of boys. Girls are also more likely than boys to say that social media has made them feel like their friends are leaving them out of things, 37% versus 24%, or worse about their own lives, 28% versus 18%. So these effects are definitely felt more intensely by our little girls. I'm not going to go through and read the entire thing because of, you know, copyright and I don't want to get sued. Plus, I really want you to check this out for yourself. But a few more excerpts that I'll pull out is that interestingly enough, teens are more likely to view social media as having negative effects on others than themselves, which is telling and says a lot about human psychology. So it says, even as teens tend to view the impact of social media on their own lives in more positive than negative terms, they are more critical of its influence of their peers. While 9% of teens think social media has had a mostly negative effect on them personally, that share rises to 32% when the same question is asked about people their age, right? So from 9% to 32%. And this reminds me of a very old study done, I believe in the 80s, it might've been the 70s or the 80s, where college students were asked about their driving skills and a good 85, 90% of college students felt that they were above average drivers, which is statistically impossible, right? It is not possible for 80, 90% of people to be above average. Statistically, only the top 50% are above average because the average is right in the middle, right? At 50%. So 80, 90% of y'all cannot be above average drivers. However, almost all of them felt like they were. And this appears to hold true when it comes to teens and social media. The majority of teens think that social media is not harmful to them. However, when asked about other teens, then they say that it is. And then the next section asks uh, teens to reflect on their parents' concerns and assessments of teen life on social media. An excerpt from that section says that some 22% believe their parents are extremely or very worried about them using social media, while another 27% say their parents are somewhat worried. However, many teens 41% say their parents are worried only a little or not at all. And 9% say they aren't sure about the level of concern their parents have over their social media use. These youth also weighed in on whether parents overall, not just their own, have an accurate picture of what it's like to be a teenager on social media. Some 39% say teens' experiences are better than parents think, while 27% say things on social media are worse for teens than parents think. Still, One third of teens believe parents assessments are about right. So that's encouraging, right? That we're not just completely off the mark. A full third of teens when asked think that we have it about right. So I'm going to take that as a win. So there's some more information on here about online activism. And it says that uh, activism is not common on social media among teens and only a minority of teens are highly concerned about digital privacy. Few teens engaged in online activism in the past year. However, Democratic teens are more likely to do so than Republicans. And among teens, Democrats are more likely than Republicans to see social media as extremely or very important for finding new viewpoints, which tracks And this tracks among breakdown of those two party lines as a whole. And then it says uh, teens feel a lack of control over their personal data, but aren't too concerned about social media companies having this information. 
So this says, despite feeling a lack of control over their data being collected by social media companies, teens are largely unconcerned. A fifth of teens, 20%, say they feel very or extremely concerned about the amount of their personal information social media companies might have. Still, a notable segment of teens, 44%, say they have little or no concern about how much these companies might know about them. And this is one of those things where the crotchety old daddy in me comes out and is like, you know, give it some time. You'll understand when you're older, because the only reason you're not more concerned is because you don't understand, really understand the depths of the collection in a manipulative manner. And often, if not with a malicious intent, a willful ignorance, a a willful blind eye to the harm that it causes, again, particularly among teenage girls, which was the crux of why whistleblower Francis Hugan felt the need to go public, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. And I'm not diving into all of that. Just Google Facebook whistleblower Francis Hugan and you'll be deluged with more than enough information about that topic. That's not the topic of discussion for this show. You can do your own research and form your own opinions. However, I'm bringing it up in the context of parental concerns because teens don't seem to care because in my opinions, teens don't actually appreciate what's being done to them. Also, because they're teens and what their interests are, they probably haven't been targeted by advertising in a way that just makes their skin crawl as of yet. True story. So as of this recording, I'm 38 years old and I'm in the early processes of my chin starting to turn white, right? My facial hair is mostly still black, but yes, a little bit of salt is creeping into my chin and my mustache and I have the, you know, random gray hair creeping about my head every now and then. So imagine my shock and dismay when I started to see Just For Men commercials on YouTube. I was not welcoming that advertisement, just as many people do not welcome getting that postcard from the AARP saying, hey, you're 50, time to join AARP. I reacted in much the same way when Just For Men started to target me on YouTube. And and if that wasn't enough, and I kid you not, this actually happened immediately after the Just For Men commercial, I was immediately beset by a Cialis commercial. Now they're saying, hey, not only are you old because you have gray hair, but you might need a little help in the bedroom play. So go ahead and take this out. I was heated. I was pissed. Now, to be clear, I'm not going to discuss my 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 reproductive health on this show. However, I don't need Seattle's. Let's be very, very clear about that. While they were kind of on the mark, not kind of on the mark. They were on the mark with the just for men. I do not color my facial hair. However, I am of the demographic where that product would be necessary. I was on the whole unreceptive to the Cialis commercial, okay? I was unreceptive to both of them, but I damn sure don't need no Cialis. So again, the only reason you're not as concerned about your data collection is because you haven't had those experiences yet. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're not gonna go down, you know, 
all the could, would, should of data privacy because data privacy really is its own episode. And I am going to dedicate an episode to that by itself. So we're not going to spend this episode talking about it. But again, from the parenting side of things, it's concerning that 44% of teens don't seem to care because I would argue the only reason they don't care is because they haven't had as much negative experiences yet because they're too young to. But by the time they mature, it's too late. And if you can't tell already by how I'm discussing all of this, I am one of those parents who are highly concerned about teenage social media use. So again, take that for what it's worth. I'm only human. I ain't perfect. I don't pretend or present myself to not have biases. I make an effort not to let those biases impede my ability to look at things objectively. Furthermore, and this is potentially a very unpopular opinion, I don't think bias is a bad thing so long as you can articulate where that bias comes from and why you think that way. What's dangerous is unconscious bias, meaning you cannot articulate where your bias comes from and why you think or act this way. You're just doing it because you were more or less program that way. That's what's dangerous and that's what's not okay. But so long as you can actually articulate and walk people back, if explains, hey, why did you do this? Why do you think this way? Why did you say that? I don't necessarily think that quote unquote bias is a bad thing because at that point, it's simply a point of view. But I digress. That's a different topic for a different episode. So the article wraps up with some direct quotes from some teens themselves. One I'm going to read right now, which says, as teens walk us through their perspectives, they also share how the pandemic changed and didn't change their social media habits and what they think their lives would be like if social media disappeared overnight. Quote, I think it would be a little messed up if social media disappeared. I spend 99% of my time indoors in front of my computer. If I'm not playing games, I'm watching pirated videos. If I'm not watching videos, maybe I'm reading an article. I'm always online and I hardly step out of my room. I've had issues with my dad. He says my room is too creepy. I should go outside and play with people, but I'm not really good at making friends. So it's a bit hard for me. End quote. This is from a teen boy. And again, putting my daddy hat on, this is precisely why you don't need to be locked up in your room and you need to go out and start making friends. But each child is different. So yeah, another banger from Pew Research. Go ahead, take some time to read through this. I'll link this up in the show notes. Eight chapters worth of awesomeness. This is just some excerpts from the first one. There are seven more chapters, which I'm not going to go through because then we'd be here for two, three hours. And um, the title of the report is Connection, Creativity and Drama, Teen Life on Social Media in 2022. So that does it for the first part of the episode. Now it's time for our MarTech moment. Now it's time for our MarTech moment segment. So MarTech is just an umbrella term that stands for marketing technology, and it's all of the technology used to achieve marketing objectives. So Facebook ads, Google ads, email marketing, uh, location for Foursquare, that all falls under the umbrella of MarTech. So for today's MarTech moment, we are going to highlight HubSpot. HubSpot is a CRM which stands for Customer Relationship Management. So HubSpot's free CRM powers your customer support, sales, and marketing with easy-to-use features like live chat, 
meeting scheduling, and email tracking. So HubSpot is by far the gold standard of free CRMs. There are enterprise level ones like Salesforce and Marketo and all that kind of stuff. But Salesforce for a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs is unquestionably one of the gold standards. And when I taught as an adjunct instructor at the collegiate level for the universities that we had relationships with, our students did have HubSpot. And so that's one of the things I taught. So I really like it. It's really good. And today's MarTech moment is HubSpot. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. For today's Creator Crushing It segment, we'll be spotlighting Mariah Elizabeth. I know my daughter's going to love this. She introduced me to Mariah Elizabeth earlier this year during one of our Creator Camp cohorts. And needless to say, Mariah Elizabeth is crushing it. And as I say this, it occurs to me that my sons might feel a way about me picking Gabby going first about a creator. So I'll make sure that I solicit my sons, Eli and Oliver, for their inputs on their favorite creators who are crushing it and do segments on them as well. But this is Mariah Elizabeth. And as of this recording, she has 7.92 million subscribers. And if we hop on over to the about, whew, as of today, she has generated Two billion nine hundred eight million five hundred twenty eight thousand five hundred twenty eight views. Right. Two billion nine hundred eight million five hundred twenty eight thousand five hundred twenty eight views. So for the uninitiated, YouTube will pay you three to five dollars per thousand views that you generate because they pay on a cost per mil or cost per thousand views. So if we take just from the thousands place over, so forget the first, the last three digits of the views and take from the thousands place over, which I've done in advance at a $4 CPM. So let's split the difference and say she's been paid $4 per thousand views. She's been paid 11,634,000 one hundred twelve dollars. So something that I want to call out before I go deeper into my analysis and hop on over to her site is that picking the right vertical matters. And this is an example of that. So if you recall from last week's creator crushing it, we spotlighted Jeff Cavalier from Athlete X. He has 13.1 million subscribers and started in 2006. So Jeff Cavalier um, round that up to eight million. He has 
5 million more subscribers than Mariah Elizabeth. And he started four years before she did. He started in 2006. She started in 2010. But, but she's generated 700 million more views than he has. Right. So because he's at 2.2 billion and Mariah Elizabeth is at 2.9 billion. That's a difference of 700 million views. So the vertical that you choose to be a creator in really matters. Because to be clear, fitness is not a small niche or niche. If you're fancy, it's not by no means is it a small niche. And at 13.1 million subscribers, Jeff Cavalier is clearly at the top of the pack. However, with fewer subscribers, she's generated more views because as large as the fitness community is, even more people have children or small people in their lives that they want to entertain. So this is a perfect example of why picking the right niche really, really, really matters. Okay. So that's just something that I wanted to call out before going deeper into her channel. So if I hop on over to her videos and it says right at the top that she releases a video every Friday at 4 PM Eastern. So that means she puts out about four videos a month, right? Because she has a regular upload date, which is a best practice and recommended Friday at 4 PM. So her audience knows what to expect for the four videos that she releases a week. They average about 2.5 million views, 2.5 million views per video on average, specifically 2,525,000 views on average. Again, at a $4 CPM, her average video makes about $10,000. So on average, her videos get 2,525,000 views and generate about $10,000. And she does four of these per month. So at a base, she makes $40,400 per month just from her YouTube video. That does not include her merch, her other social media handles. Just from YouTube, she pulls down $40,000 per month. Now, if we hop on over to her website, she has a lot going on. It's highly attractive, very well done, very professional, and she sells a lot of stuff. Right. So I'm going to treat her top navigation. I'm going to treat each of these as a revenue stream and a line of business. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to apply a multiplier towards each of these. And again, this is quick, dirty. It's not going to be precise, but it should be somewhere in the ballpark because the point with these creator crushing it segments is not to get down in the weeds, but to convey how to value the business side of being a creator and give you my thought processes more so than the mechanics. That's what I'm trying to convey. The thought process, how I think, how I analyze how I praise. That's what I'm trying to impart more so than the mechanics. Now, if you're interested in the mechanics, like really down in the weeds and pulling out SEM rush and TubeBuddy and vidIQ and doing some real, real deep, heavy analysis, let me know. And I can try to come up with that. That will probably be a paid course because I got to pay my child support somehow. But let me know if that's something you want to see. But I am going to treat each of these 
top level navigations as a line of business. And then I'm going to apply a multiplier to each of them. So for the apparel, I'm going to apply a 10 X multiplier for the homeware. I'm going to apply a three X multiplier for the plushies because they sell pretty well. I'm going to apply five X multiplier for the accessories. I'm going to apply a four X multiplier because they sell pretty well as well. Just not as well as the plushies. Um, and for the digital and other, which is books, I'm going to apply a two X multiplier to each of those. So 10 plus three plus five plus four plus two plus two is 26. So using her YouTube channel as a base, I'm going to apply a 26 X multiplier to that for her business as a whole, which again, without doing anything real, real heavy, I'm going to say is booming because she's doing sales and everything. I'm going to apply a 26 X multiplier to her YouTube channel as a base, which means she pulls down 1 million, $1 million per month in her business. So again, she makes about 40 grand a month just from the YouTube 26x multiplier across all of these different things right here. The T-shirts, the hoodies, the office stuff, the accessories, the digital and the books. Um, all this I'm going to multiply by 26. That's $1,050,400 a month. I am estimating that Mariah Elizabeth pulls down. So Gabby, this one's for you. Don't worry, boys. I'm going to ask you for your input on Creator Crushing It as well and do those in the coming weeks. And that has been this week's Creators Crushing It segment with Mariah Elizabeth. And so for today's parental perspective, teens, children, young ones, cut us parents some slack. Um, I'm really happy that about 33% of teens think that parents have it right, but that means that 77% don't either one way or the other. And just try and understand that as a parent, one of our sacred charters is to protect you. And we can only protect you if we know what we're protecting you from. And that, frankly, um, some parents are better than others. Some parents like myself tend to know more. And so we tend to lean in a bit more, whereas some parents, especially older parents and grandparents, they aren't as savvy about the environment. And that translates into them not being as vigilant as they otherwise should. All we want at the end of the day is for you to be safe and happy. And there are some legitimate downfalls to social media's use. So yeah, we love you. We're not intentionally trying to be party poopers, but the reality is that social media is not nearly as benign as you would like to think it is. And so as parents, we have to take appropriate measures to protect you. And that is part of why this podcast exists and what I'm here to do. I'm here to level up parents specifically, teens as well. There, there's learning for all, but I'm here specifically to level up parents' understanding of the creator economy and how the teens and young people in their lives fit in it. So Hopefully this episode did that. If you enjoyed the content, you know the routine. Give me a like, share it with your friends, all that good jazz. And I will see you later this week for an interview. Because again, first episode of the week is just me. And then the second episode is when we do our interview. And I'll see you in a couple of days. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to 
and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile, and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me, and I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.